0: Um, we're not going to do any healing ministry right at this moment, uh, but, but let me ask, how many of you came today with something that you would like to see healed, some physical thing that you would like to see healed? I'm not, not going to call you out and embarrass you right now at this moment, but if that's you, just kind of raise your hands. I just want this just statistical evaluation. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank um, you. Now let me ask that question again, and let me uh, presume a bit more upon your honesty and vulnerability. Uh, How many of you came today thinking that you would get healed? Three. Well done. Snaps. That was... Terribly polite <laughs> clapping. Uh, I asked that question because that, that helps too, right? I mean, one, yes, I'd like to see something healed. That's possible. Two, I think I'm gonna get healed today. Completely different attitude, right? Completely different attitude. And one is an attitude of belief. Like, oh, well, yeah, sure. God can do miracles. I believe that. It's an attitude of belief, and the second is an attitude of faith, right? Which is like, I'm, gonna, I'm into this, I'm gonna try it. I have launched myself into a prospective thing uh, called healing. Um, faith is not what you believe. Faith is not what you believe. Faith is what you do with what you believe. The demons believe in Jesus. Lots of people who hate God believe in God, otherwise there'd be no one to hate, right? So belief is not faith. Faith doesn't mean believing really, really hard. Faith is what you do with what you believe is true. There is a God, what do you do with that? You know, there is a call in your life. Great, what do you do with that? And that's the measure of faith in our life. You know, and that's primarily an attitude. Attitude literally means approach. It's your approach to something. So faith is, is your approach to what you believe in life, how you wield it, what you do with it. we talk about that a fair bit at Blue Water Mission because we want to be people of faith, right? It's not, I mean, it's great to be people of belief. It's important to believe true things. But it's not the life. It's not the life. The life is faith. The life is a life of faith. And, and we try to make a big deal about that, encourage one another forward in that and in whole bunches of different ways. A lot of those ways have been suggested to us by by Jesus uh, himself. Um, And the gospels repeatedly stress that it's important to have faith. It's not surprising to hear me say that, right? If you're a Christian, it's not surprising to hear the preacher talk about the virtues of faith, right? Faith, how many of you are pro-faith? All right, all right, good, all right. We're we're in the the right pocket. Uh, Here's a question though, why is faith important to God? Why did he design the world in such a way that faith is important? And to me, this is the number one question that anyone should have uh, with respect to God. If you're seeking God, if you're wondering if God is real and stuff like that, the, the number one most obvious question is, well, why doesn't he make himself obvious? Right? Because God isn't standing up here on stage today. I am. Big difference. I'm not even a great representative of God. I'm just, I just try really hard. Um, but why doesn't he make himself obvious? Why has he constructed the world in such a way that you have to take a leap of faith to walk with him, right? You have to trust. And, you know, some of you have heard my, my canned answer, which is essentially this. There was a time, uh, the scriptures tell us, in human history, in which uh, <clears throat> there was no doubt that God existed, you know? And we, we're told that story in, in the stories of Genesis and in the Garden of Eden, as the story goes, Adam and Eve, they walked with God, they talked with God in the cool of the evening, right? They had no trouble believing that God existed. God was obvious to them. But they didn't trust his character, they didn't trust that he was good, and therefore they did not do what he said to do. So there's a big difference between believing in God and trusting God. And of course God wants you to trust him, which is the mark of any good relationship. How many of you believe that I exist? How many of you trust me enough to do whatever I tell you to do? I mean, I expected a high ratio there, but I didn't expect it to be that bad. Right? Every good relationship is about trust, not, not just like existential belief. Uh, So people debate about whether God exists and stuff like that. I find those debates mostly boring. What counts for me in life, what I'm passionate about is the trust. Do you trust God? You know, enough to have good relationship with him. And you know, the Bible talks about that in tons of different ways. As I mentioned earlier, I mean, Satan evidently believes in God, right? Uh, We, from time to time in scripture, see them relate actually, but Satan uh, does not trust God to be good to him and, and that's, where, that's where the rubber meets the road. Okay, it's about faith then. Turn to somebody and say, well, yes, it's about faith. Uh, and being that the Lord has constructed uh, the world to be mostly about faith, it turns out that faith is really, really, really powerful uh, when it comes to the kingdom of God and, and following uh, Jesus. I started thinking about this really hard when I was a kid. Uh, like when I was in college, especially, I remember uh, I was about 19, uh, I started being very serious about trying to do the things I saw Jesus do in Scripture. And one of the things, you know, appropriately enough, I started to do was I, I would try to heal people because I noticed that Jesus commanded his followers to do miracles. And I thought, well, that's, one, that sounds kind of unfair. I mean, that's a high bar for success. If you follow me, you should go out there and do the impossible. Oh, well, hmm. Uh, but... I thought, you know, I'd try. I'd try. So I started praying for sick friends that I had on campus. And, you know, the college kids, you know, young, mostly healthy. But we saw some healing success. I remember I healed one girl's migraine headache uh, one evening. And I thought, well, I mean, that's significant anyway. And I was sharing about this with a mentor of mine in the, in the Christian fellowship. And he got kind of charged up. And that night, his roommate uh was another leader of the Christian Fellowship, was very sick with the flu. So my friend, his name was Paul, got up in the middle of the night and crept over to the bed of his sick friend, whose name was Bill, knelt down and prayed for Bill to be healed. He was a little shy because Bill was asleep and didn't even know what was going on. But he was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna heal him in his sleep. It was kind of like ninja healing, you know? It's like, <laughs> it comes out of nowhere, it's like suddenly you're healed and you don't know how it happened. Um, But Paul was earnest, if not anything else, and the dude just prayed for hours, you know, and then uh, went back to bed, got up in the morning, and Bill was sicker than ever. And so later uh, uh, the next afternoon, Paul and I were sort of debriefing it. It It's like, well, you you prayed for Linda, and her migraine got better. I prayed a big chunk of the night, giving up sleep for Bill, and he didn't get better. What explains the difference? What explains the difference? And then I remember he say, him, him saying, Does God just love you more than me? And I thought, Excellent question. But upon evaluation, I had to admit that that was unlikely. Uh, and and that, that started an adventure for me. You know, it's like, well, what makes a person powerful? in the ways of the kingdom? What makes a person powerful in the things of Jesus? Whatever the things of Jesus are. I mean, healing is a thing of Jesus. Preaching is a thing of Jesus. Witnessing to your neighbors is a thing of Jesus. Forgiving is a thing of Jesus. What makes you very powerful in all of those things? God loves everybody the same. I mean, we know that. So what, what makes the difference? And then I started reading the Gospels in a new way. And it turns out that you know, faith is a pretty big deal. Faith is one of those things that leads to power in life. It leads to results in life. Plus, it gets your relationship with God into a trusting mode, which is, which is what we want. So here's our scripture for the day. We are in the middle of a sermon series on uh, stuff Jesus did. And as our text for that sermon series, uh, we've decided to use just the Gospel of Matthew. It's one of four Gospels in the Bible. The Gospels are historical accounts of things Jesus said and did while he walked the earth uh, with his uh, chief disciples. Matthew was one of those chief disciples. Uh, Last week, we took a look at the call of Matthew. Matthew. Uh, And this week, uh, we get a little deeper into the story. Same chapter, though, Matthew chapter 9. And it's one of the many stories of Jesus healing people. Uh, And it goes like this. Uh, While he was saying this, so in other words, Jesus was having this conversation. A synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died. Come and put your hand on her and she will live. Let's pause there. Faith, no faith. That's crazy faith, right? That's crazy faith. Uh, The synagogue leader comes and says, Yeah, my daughter's died, but for some reason, I've seen enough from you to think that you might be able to do the greatest miracle of all. You might be able to resurrect the dead. Now, there are just a tiny number of examples in the Old Testament of great prophets men who walked in the power of the Spirit of God, resurrecting the dead. So there was some historical precedence for this, although it had been like 500 years uh, before anyone had seen, uh, since everyone had seen a miracle like that. this synagogue leader, at the very least, thinks that Jesus is of the same tradition of the greatest miracle-working prophets of the Old Testament. You know, it's it's, it's a leap. There's a lot of confidence in there. And let's face it, there may well have been a little desperation in there as well. The the guy is really motivated uh, to believe, right? Because his little girl has just died. My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Well, Jesus got up and went with him. And so did his disciples. Excellent. Just then, A woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Faith, not faith. Again, crazy faith. Uh, Not so very long ago, we took a look at the version of this story from the Gospel of Mark. This is the Gospel of Matthew, but Mark tells a version of this story as well. In fact, uh, it's pretty clear that both the Gospels of Matthew and Luke are based largely on the Gospel of Mark. They kind of borrowed the organization in some of the stories because Mark was the earliest gospel written. And because, hey, Matthew was there. Uh, as a firsthand hand uh, witness anyway, so he certainly felt licensed to borrow some of these stories. But frankly, between me and you, Mark does a better job telling the story. Uh, Mark is my favorite gospel, far be it me, for me to criticize any of the gospels of Scripture because, you know, they're like Scripture, uh, and I'm just some guy. Uh, but I like Mark's uh, version better because he throws in a few more details and characterizes the players in the story a little bit more, which is uncharacteristic for Mark because Mark is cut and dry and to the point, which is why I like his gospel so much. Um, But Matthew just sort of distills everything down and reduces it, doesn't tell you the full story of this woman. If you're familiar with the Mark version, she'd been suffering for a long time. She had gone broke, uh, paying doctors to try and heal her from her hemorrhaging. Basically, she was menstruating for 12 straight years. Which is a serious drag, um, but so I hear um, uh, yeah, there are a lot of jokes there. I am not going to tell them because uh, i 've learned um, but she would have also been considered ceremonially unclean. She technically by law was not allowed to go out in public, so she was socially outcast she was. Physically beaten down. She was probably anemic from all the bleeding. She probably felt terrible. And it says that it was getting progressively worse and worse over time. So that's what Mark tells us. Matthew is just like, Yeah, Uh, she came up behind him and touched his cloak. And she said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Here's the second example of the same sort of behavior in this short passage. The synagogue leader was like, I think you can resurrect the dead. Now, why did he think that? I don't really know. It was to his advantage were it true. And here's this woman that comes up behind Jesus, goes out in public, which is against the law, technically could have gotten her stone to death for violating the law, sneaks up behind Jesus, a rabbi, a holy man, and touches him, which would have made him ceremonially unclean. So that was a big no-no. She was doing everything wrong. Like she was doing stuff that was literally against the law. But she figured if she did it, she would get a miracle. And it begs the question, why did she think that? How did this woman wake up one morning and think, I know what I'll do. I'll go and break all the laws and that will work. You know, she had discovered or heard something about Jesus that made her think along these lines. And maybe if you've hung around Blue Water for a while, you've heard me preach about her attitude and what was going on for her. But suffice it to say that this was a moment of risk and this was a moment of crazy faith. Not just faith, but crazy faith. You know, faith that if you pressed her, she might not totally be able to justify, but she trusted God to be good for her good to her in spite of everything. She was just awesome. Are you as excited about that as I am? If you try to live the life, this woman impresses you a lot. Um, She's a great character. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Matthew says it very simply, but that was epic. That was an epic deal. Let's just leave that for a moment and go on with the story. Jesus continues on his way. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, you might say, what? Playing pipes? Uh, This was a funeral tradition. So it was a crowd of mourners. Uh, Ritual mourners some of them would have been professional mourners if somebody died you you know hired uh, Mourners and musicians to come and play dirges and stuff like that. So like she was dead and People had come to sort of mark the death all you know Dressed in black and playing sad music and stuff like that. I don't know if they were dressed in black, but That's that's the deal right there, right? So by the time Jesus gets there they're already fixing to put her in the ground, you know That sort of thing. It's right in the middle of the funeral, so to speak. Go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. What do you say to that? Faith? I mean, it's just not true, you know. Uh, It's like Jesus is saying, Jesus is taking a little license here, but obviously he's saying it for a reason, and that reason, you've come to suspect, might have to do with faith he's recasting his approach to the moment and inviting them like no don't don't do that dispense with the funeral everybody disperse she's just sleeping but they laughed at him what would you have done I don't know if I would have laughed at him I don't laugh very easily but you know I might have I might have pulled him aside and said hey you know the family is grieving maybe you could cool it but they laughed at him they mocked him, right? It's like, you, country bumpkin, guy who lives homeless, you smell. Get out of here. Um, this is this is not the time for your shenanigans. But after the crowd had been put outside, Jesus kicks him out. He went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of this spread through all that region. Yeah, well, it, it would have, wouldn't it? A resurrection of the dead. Um, clearly Matthew is focusing on a, on a point here. He's, he's driving a point home in this story. Um, uh, and, and, and I think it's encapsulated by that phrase, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. First there's this synagogue leader who comes up and, and makes this declaration of trust Uh, not just in God, but that Jesus is of God and just invites him to do this miracle. And I love it that Jesus is just like, yeah, exactly, let's go do it. Let's go do it. You know, there's no back and forth. There's no unpacking of the situation. He's just like, oh, well, I I can't say no to that invitation. You know, and they're off. And and then there's this woman who comes up and and does all of these appropriate things, this poor, suffering, bleeding woman and touches him and violates the law and all that. You know, the great thing about this woman is that she acted on a faith that she had no business having. No business having. But she decided that, well, the Lord is just that good. You know? You could have actually picked apart her belief. You could have said what she believes is wrong because she shouldn't believe that she could contravene the law, that she could break the law, that she could go around contaminating the crowd with her uncleanness and expect God to bless her. You could pick apart that belief but you can't criticize your faith, (laughs) you know? And often I think even in communities of faith, in Christian communities, we do the opposite. You know, often we uh, focus on getting the belief just right, getting the formulas just right, so that we can have great faith. She's like, well, okay, my belief might not be just right, it under the rug, but my faith is awesome. My trust in God will get me where I need to go which turns out to be the more fruitful approach. You know, faith isn't just what you believe, it's what you do with what you believe. And she believed some powerful things. She believed that God could be good even to a cursed soul such as hers, one who had been suffering and depressed for 12 years. And that's a powerful thing to believe in. But what's more powerful is stepping out in faith on it and doing something with it. And that meant chasing down Jesus in her case. Uh, that's what made her the heroine that she is. And then Jesus sort of senses it all, goes down, turns around, and says, "Take heart, daughter. Be encouraged. Don't be afraid. Don't be stressed out. Your faith has healed you." I've 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 read statements like that over and over nine times in the Gospels. Jesus says a statement very similar to that: "Your faith has healed you," or, you know. Your uh, such great faith you have. You're now healed, something like that. Uh, I can almost skip over it, but in reading this passage this week, it, I just thought, well, let's just take a look at that afresh. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Shouldn't he said, have said God has healed you? Right? Shouldn't he said, you know, the Lord's love has healed you? Wouldn't that have been more appropriate? But he doesn't say that. In fact, he never says that in the Gospels. But he often says, your faith has healed you. What, what's the point of him saying that? Does that bug you? When you're studying a piece of scripture, it's always important to find what bugs you about it because that's usually where the learning is. And if I read this with fresh eyes, I, it bugs me a little bit. Your faith has healed you. Uh, Jesus, theological correction. Hold on. No, God has healed her today. God has healed her today which would be a very religiously appropriate statement. But you notice that Jesus is hardly ever religiously appropriate. Jesus just kind of goes to the point. And the point of life, as we discussed at the opening, is to trust God. And when Jesus sees somebody trusting God, particularly in a way that they're not legally obligated to do, (laughs) you know, he flips out. And what he loves about this woman is that she trusts, even though technically she shouldn't have she trusts, and Jesus is like, yeah, well, that's miracle-working faith right there, so that's what did it, that's what did it, that's what sets you apart uh, from, you know, others who are trying so hard to believe the right thing, but can't take that leap of faith to try, to try stuff. Your faith has, has healed you. Uh, where does the power for the miracle come from? Yeah. And what triggers the miracle? Okay, Uh, I'm just going to let you retake that quiz. (laughs) Who gives us the power to do miracles? Yeah. Uh, And what puts us in powerful relationship with God? Where does power come from? What triggers the miracles? What's our job? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm exhilarated. I make fun of you uh, because I love to. Um, but it's actually, I mean, I mean it's, it's hard to be straight about that, you know. Even now when I need a miracle from God, often what I will do is I will bug God to give me the miracle. It's like, what's your problem? Why are you allowing this suffering, you know? Um, hopefully I don't say it quite like that. Um, But I think God would say to me most of the time, it's like, this is just another problem. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? God always wants to do good things in the world. But he partners with us to get things done. And that partnership is always, always activated by faith. Because that's the point to everything. That's the point of life. That's why life is hard. Life isn't hard because God is mad at you or because he's neglecting you or anything like that. Life is hard because this is how we develop trust in God. You know. And, and these afflictions are momentary and light. The challenges of this life will eventually pass away, but the trust we develop in this life will last forever. And so everything about this life is focused on that. Do you or do you not trust God? Do you or do you not bring faith to the the situation. And that's hard. It's hard to keep your mind straight about that, particularly when something terrible happens, particularly when you suffer for 12 years straight. You know, it's hard. It's hard to be like, oh, well, this is the day. I'm coming to church today and expecting to be healed. You know, that's hard. It takes a certain sort of mastery. That, that's not a skill you just fall out of bed and fall into. That's that needs to be, it needs to be developed. But it's a really, really powerful thing. And so when Jesus finds it, he says, that's it, that's it, that's the faith. Hey, that faith healed you, that's, does everybody notice this? Is everybody seeing this? And he goes on from there, he goes to the synagogue leader's house, the girl is dead, he's right in the middle of the funeral and everybody's laughing at him. And he's like, oh, you know, did I not make this point clear a few minutes ago? and the atmosphere is rich with not faith, right? It's rich, rich with mockery and laughter. It's like, no, we are in the middle of a funeral. No faith here. Consolation. Appropriate music, you know? And I think a lot of people live in the middle of a funeral. You know, for many folks in the world, life is a funeral, Woohoo! You know you know my story if you've been around. I'm a guy who has struggled uh, severely uh, with depression. You know, I feel like my life was pretty much a funeral. Now in the midst of that funeral, uh, I, was, I was functional. You know, I was defiant. I will make the best of this funeral. But I was living in a funeral. And Jesus is like, well, no, let's change it. You know, let's do something else. Uh, and, and what Jesus does in this situation is that he improves the faith environment by kicking out people who didn't have any faith, right? This is sort of implicit in this story. In the Mark version of the story, you see it more. Jesus literally throws them out, throws them out. In the Mark version of the story, he turns to the little girl's parents and he says, "Uh, don't be afraid, just believe, because fear is the opposite of of faith. Um, So he he cleans out, he cleans it out. Uh, And then when it's just, you know, him and, and people who have faith, then he does the miracle. But it's, it's hard to do a miracle in the midst of doubt, amidst of fear, amidst of mourning, you know, and all that stuff was probably really well intentioned. I imagine it was a very sincere funeral, as funerals tend to be. But Jesus kind of has this sense no, not the time for a funeral. Not the time. Not the time. We're trying to do something different right now, you know. If we fail, we'll bring you back in. <laughs> Um, but I love the strategic approach to the moment. It just teaches me so much. You know, Jesus walks into the situation and says, I want to do something fantastic and powerful here, but I gotta make some changes. I gotta make some changes. You know, let's, let's look at death as if it's a temporary condition. Let's say that she's asleep. Ah, oh, you're an idiot. Get out of here, you loser. All right, let's get you out of here. Everybody out, everybody out. Let's sanitize the space a little bit. I can't be around that and pull this off. You know, we see Jesus stoke faith. Jesus, you know, the big J. He was a guy that probably had pretty perfect faith himself, but even he took a moment to reconstruct life so that faith could be maximized. And, you know, and fear minimized, and, and a lot could be said about that that I won't say this morning, but I just submit it to you. Maybe you need to do faith work, you know? Maybe you need to just reconstruct your situation a little bit because faith is the point. Maximize the circumstances of your life for Faith. particularly in crisis situations. How many of you have a crisis situation and your reflex is, all right, what can I do to improve my faith environment? (laughs) Or, like me, you have a crisis situation and you're like, you know, six hours later you stop complaining. You know? I love it that Jesus goes about it in a very practical way. Well, we gotta get our faith on. We gotta get our faith up in this situation. You, you're not cooperating. Out! You, I like your attitude. Come, be close to me. We can do this. And, and that's why I, and I, I know I nag you sometimes about you know, how, how you come to church. you know If you come 20 minutes late and with a bad attitude, you're not helping. You have not made it easy for us to do miracles. Sorry. Stop it. Stop it. But if you come enthusiastically, and eagerly, and you bring spirit in the door, and you kind of help get everybody revved up before we start, you're helping. Keep it up. Keep it up. And we have the opportunity, right, to make this a place of of power instead of a place of mourning and, and consolation. Not that consolation in times of mourning is a bad thing, but you know what I'm saying? We have the opportunity to do miracles. Miracles. And what does that require? How many of you came with faith attitude? How many of you slept in to see if you liked the music or not? Okay? 101. Matthew chapter 9 sort of stuff. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you got to get this. You got to bring your faith game. You got to do what you got to do to come with that attitude. And then, I don't know, we might have some resurrection power we might have some healing power. Let's help each other to do that. Because even Jesus approached it practically. Even Jesus tried to improve the spirit in the room before he did miracles. And so, you know, we got, we got to do the same thing. Say amen if you're following. I'm not going to kick out the mockers. Okay, I'm not going to kick out the mockers. Um, but I'm just saying. We have a great opportunity, and and we should be forceful with it. You know, forceful. That's what I see Jesus doing here. He kicks out the crowd. He's forceful. No, that attitude won't do. Get out. This is the attitude I want. Come in. Let's do this. You, woman, that attitude is what I glorify. Awesome. He's forceful with it. And and I want to be more forceful with my faith work. We're gonna see this theme pop up again and again as we go through the Gospel of Matthew. And if you read any other Gospel, you will see the same theme. Do your faith work. Get your faith on. Faith is really, really, really powerful. Everybody say that to your neighbor. Faith is really, really, really powerful. If you're passionate for Jesus, you can throw in a fourth really. So this passage in Matthew 9 is just sort of an intro to a lot of lessons that Uh, are to come. Lessons about faith. But we should tune in. Uh, This is the thing that the lessons in the gospel are about. Most of the lessons in the gospel are about faith in one way, shape, or form. Uh, How does faith work? How do we make faith stronger? How does faith work in a crowd? How does doubt in a crowd kill faith? Uh, To what is faith vulnerable? What do you have to watch out for? And all of these are questions that Matthew addresses in his gospel. So does Mark. So does Luke. And to some extent, so does John. So just tune in uh, to that. That's what we're that's what we're about here. We can spend a great deal of time on improving our knowledge. You know, studying Scripture and asking questions about God, which is great. We can spend a great deal of time on training how to do ministry, how to preach the Word, how to counsel one another. Training is great too. But I always pray for faith. That's what I try to develop. Each and every day because I think that is the most powerful thing in life. Um, If you've ever gone through a season of tremendous depression as I have, you know that this is true. There is no substitute for faith. There is no substitute. It is life-sustaining and evidently life-reclaiming. Reasonable people can spend a lot of time wondering if they should choose faith. If they should believe that God exists. If they should believe that Jesus is, is worth following. And that's really important. You know, the choice to be a person of faith is really important. But this passage emphasizes a different thing. Even if you've chosen to be a person of faith, even if you've chosen to follow Jesus, the operative question is how do you get more faith into your life? Even if you've made the choice of belief, how do you grow strong in faith? Because it turns out that growing strong in faith is what makes you powerful, is what makes life fruitful. And so that's an operative question for those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus. And, and it, that's kind of how Jesus approached the matter with people. You never see him try and talk people into having faith in God or having faith in him. Like You, just, you don't see him doing that. Instead, he just showed how powerful faith was. He just showed what faith in God's goodness could accomplish in life. Sometimes he showed that by performing amazing miracles. Uh, Sometimes he showed that just by not stressing out when everyone around him was freaking out. Sometimes he showed it by just facing down his own death on more than one occasion until they finally indeed crucified him on the cross. You'll notice, as we looked at last week, he never tried to argue people into faith. He just said, follow me. Come on. I'm gonna show you what a life of faith looks like and I think having seen it, you'll probably want it. And I think having seen it, you'll probably want to get better at it. That was his approach to things. And a blue water mission, we try to have the same approach, which is why we call ourselves Blue Water Mission. Blue Water is a sailing term that means to be out far from land, out far and in deep with God in a place where if he doesn't send a wind to fill your sails, you're dead. You've risked something for Jesus. It's a place of faith, and that's the best sort of life that there is. Can I get an amen? Thank you. All oh, at least a little sedate today. Um, Jesus invited people to follow him in the life in the life of faith so again faith is not what you believe faith is what you do with what we believe and that's why we have the saying at Blue Water faith is trying you gotta try stuff you gotta try stuff succeed or fail if you try you're exercising faith you're doing something with your belief and that's the only path forward I want another amen because we're kind of at an end now that was the big moment oh no wait, there should be another moment, right? There should be another moment. Uh, This is the obvious moment in case you missed it. I just preached a passage on Jesus healing people. What should I do? Obviously, right? I should try to heal people, obviously. Because we did that check earlier and some of you are sick, right? And this is what James says in his epistle. Are any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church, so i "Anoint with oil, pray over him, you'll be sick, and your sins will be forgiven as a bonus. That's what the epistle says. Uh, Woe to any church that preaches a passage on miracles and never tries to do them. Because what you're teaching your people is that faith is what you believe, not what you do. Not what Jesus said, not what Jesus said. So we should try to heal some people, uh, and let's, uh, let's do that. Like, how many of you came today thinking, ah, oh, I'm going to get healed today? Because you're kind of like the woman sneaking up. It's like, oh, if I just make contact, I think I'll probably get my miracle. How many of you are in, are in that, that mode? You raised your hand earlier. Don't be bashful. How are you? Stand up. Just stand up. Just stand up where you are. You raised your hand, right? Ryan? Sure. Stand up. Because we want to honor faith, right? So, yay. Uh, I think it's clear to me today, as is always clear at Blue Water, that the people that sit in this section have way more spiritual maturity and faith than the people that see over here. You know, you guys kind of drag in. So this is a point of pride. That's that's not very Christ-like of me. But something about being in front also, I think releases a lot of faith. And those of you who are in the back, little, no? I'm killing the moment, aren't I? Uh, Yeah, those of you who are around them, now minister in faith, just go ahead and and stand up around them. And uh, you know, we'll ask what what the deal is. Just ask them what to pray for. And then we're gonna pray together. Uh, Why don't everybody stand up? and just turn toward these guys with a spirit of faith and blessing.